This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Hi, Simis. I'll give you an example of what the anesthetologists are talking about. Last week, our neighbor was scheduled for hernia surgery. He's been waiting a year for this. He shows up at the hospital at 11 as opposed to surgery scheduled for 1. At 3 o'clock, he is told that he has to go home. No surgery. Why? Because the anesthetologist has been called away on an emergency. Oof. Okay. That would be very upsetting to have that happen. Uh, We've been talking today about the BC Anesthesiologist Society and how they've written a letter to MLAs in the province requesting additional action to combat the increasing amount of number of British Columbians who are waiting for surgery. So let's talk more about that. Now, by the way, if you've got a story you would like to share with us, just stay tuned because we are going to take some open calls on this. But right now, let's chat with Dr. Roland Orfalli who's the Chief Executive Officer of the BC Anesthesiologist Society. Dr. Orfali, thank you for joining us. Hi, Simi. Thanks for inviting me to be on the show. Now tell me, what action has the Society taken here? Well, I guess we can go back at the beginning of the year. We released a discussion paper about the surgical wait times in British Columbia. And at that time, the Ministry of Health was reporting about 85,000 British Columbians who were waiting for medically necessary surgery. And the shocking thing that we found out in researching that paper was that about 41% of the people who were on the wait list had already waited too long. They'd waited longer than what the government calls the maximum acceptable wait time for their surgery. And so that was about 35,000 British Columbians who had already waited too long for surgery and they were still waiting. Um, So we followed that up and uh, we got the numbers from the Ministry of Health website that in June that number of people waiting had gone up from 85,000 to over 88,000. And that's what we communicated to the the MLAs from across the province was our concern that the, the wait list seemed to be getting worse. And what's actually shocked me is that just in the couple weeks since we sent that letter off, uh, we found out that the wait list is actually now at 91,150. What is going on with that, Dr. Orfali? Why is it increasing in these numbers? You know, um, you know, if I can back up, you know, kudos to the government because uh, last year they did make a huge commitment. Uh, they added $175 million to this, the healthcare system specifically to reduce surgical wait times and wait lists. So, you know, they've made the financial investment. I think what we're seeing in terms of the results is that we're having difficulty at the ground level using that money as efficiently as possible and actually getting the surgeries done. Okay. In in what way? What do you mean? Um, well, I think, you know, the, the, the caller that um, what was just on the, on, on the radio talking mm-hmm. about, you know, someone waiting a year for surgery and getting there and you wait all day and you're fasting and maybe your family's come in from out of town to be there with you and then you wait the whole day and your surgery winds up getting cancelled. And that's just a perfect example of what patients have to um, experience, unfortunately. But it's also very inefficient for the system when you have all the different steps that have been taken to get that patient ready for their surgery, but then they don't actually have it. So all the, all the time and, and resources that you've already invested in that surgery and the surgery isn't done. Uh, so I think there's a lot of solutions that we've already put on the table to make the system more efficient so that you don't have these delays, you don't have the cancellations, and that people have their surgery in a more timely way. Okay, what, what kind of uh, efficiencies, what kind of suggestions are we talking about here? 
So there's a a lot of uh, solutions that have already been implemented by our members in various sites across the province, and and one that I mentioned, uh, you know, at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, they've looked at ways of avoiding general anesthesia for patients who don't need it and doing surgery perfectly comfortable but awake with the, you know, the foot or the, the arm frozen so that you don't feel the surgery, but you get to leave the hospital almost right after the surgery. And the efficiency of the whole process uh, allows them to do many more surgeries than they would have otherwise. So these are examples where the patient benefits, the patient experience is great, the patients love the way that this is done, um, but it also makes the system work more efficiently. Right. What is the benefit? Like why up until now then have we been using general anesthesia for that instead of doing what you just said? You know, it's a whole system issue that you can't just say, you know, for these 100 patients uh, over the next month, we're going to change how we give the anesthetic. The whole system is set up with a very traditional way of what type of anesthetic we're giving, what type of surgery, and the whole flow of how they wind up in the operating room. And what we're talking about is changing that whole dynamic. So it's not something that happens overnight. You need to have the whole team at the front line involved and agreeing that we're going to make this change and we're going to do it together. And that's why, you know, I can't say this is a a quick change. Um, And it's not something that you do top down. It's something that you need to actually let the people at the front line, the the nurses, the anesthesiologists, the surgeons, um, the housekeepers, the porters, they all need to be part of this process and figure out a better way of doing it. Right. The patients too, though, right? Because I would imagine a lot of them would expect they are going to get general anesthesia. When you tell them, oh, no, no, you don't need that, uh, they may say, wait, wait a minute, what do you mean I don't need that? Yeah, absolutely. And it's always something that the patient has to consent. They have to agree. Uh, but you're right. I think a lot of education that if it happens in advance, it gives that patient time to think about the options and the pros and the cons and allows them to come up with the best right. decision for them. We've done this before, though, haven't we? Because I was thinking, I had cataract eye surgery mm-hmm. earlier this year. And of course, you don't get anesthesia for that either. They kind of freeze the eyeball and they give yeah. you something to keep you calm. And at first, when I heard about that, I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But it turned it's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, these are some of the system changes that happen over time where it used to be, you know, a three-hour cataract surgery with general anesthesia. And nowadays, you know, it's taken 10, 15, 20 years, but the system is completely different. And these are the types of radical but doable changes that we want to create in the system. Now, have you talked to the health minister about this? Uh, We've had a a few brief conversations with him as well as with his senior officials in the ministry, and we've put a whole number of good solutions on the table for them. We're just hoping that with these latest waitlist numbers and the the direction that we're going, that there's going to be a renewed emphasis on actually getting down to work and implementing the solution. Right. Do you feel like this is a window of opportunity? Because it seems like this health minister does like to do stuff like this to try it to see if it works. He does. He's tried a lot of new things, and we look forward to working with him on some some more uh, changes um, in the way that surgeries are performed. Okay, so let's talk specifically about the type of surgeries we're talking about here at Darfur Valley. So what do you envision needs general anesthesia and what does not? Uh, You know, so I guess I would start off by saying that was just one solution. It's not like I'm saying every surgery in the province should be done without general anesthesia. Um, But it's that when you you look at the front lines of uh, of a situation that's not as efficient as it can be, and I can tell you pretty much anyone working there sees these issues, you need to bring the team together and figure out, okay, how are we going to change it and make sure that all the steps that play into that uh, all focus on one outcome. 
And so you can't just change one part of the puzzle and expect the whole puzzle still to fit. Is that why it has to be kind of a broader issue? For instance, can Vancouver Coastal Health do this? They can. And like I said, you know, the the St. Paul's program, that was a pilot program there. It's something that other hospitals in, in BC are now trying to do or have implemented. So, you know, yes, you can try it out in one place and fine tune it. There's other solutions that are going to be applicable across the province. And we've given the ministry a number of solutions that we think will be uh, very helpful. Is also the number of anesthesiologists an issue here as well? That is something that's been reported. Uh, At one point, the ministry was reporting about 100 vacancies around the province uh, through their Health Match BC online recruitment agency. Uh, so that's something, again, that we've, uh, we've offered the ministry our help to figure out. Uh, we want to be able to recruit more anesthesiologists and get these wait lists reduced. All right, well, keep us posted on how this goes. Okay, thanks a lot, Simi. Thank you so much for your time. That's Dr. Roland Orfali, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the BC Anesthesiologist Society.